We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Guys, we have the preview for the Week 3 matchup between the Indianapolis Colts and the Kansas City Chiefs. We have a special guest, Director of Operations at the Say It Again Network and covering the Chiefs on the Kingdom Says pod, Kyle Henning. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. <clears throat> Getting ready uh Doing this with you, and then we're going to watch a little Thursday Night Football, and then we're going to do our own episode on our own show, uh, previewing this game as well. So uh, getting get a little double dose of the preview tonight, but other than that, I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Well, uh, I must say, man, I mean, it, it must feel good in, uh, in Chiefs country knowing that, uh, you know, this team, your team, the way that it's performed through the first couple weeks of the season – must feel really good knowing that your team really doesn't feel like it's really lost a step after losing a couple big guys. Yeah, it's it's a new philosophy that they've gone with, which was nice to see a little bit of a sea change from we tried to run it back to her and we kind of did a halfway version of that last year where it was a half run it back, half start fresh. And so now we've gotten to that transition year this year where you got a lot of young guys on this team that are contributing and we lost and you're right. I mean, there's some big names uh, two specifically that are quite large departures from this team. So to see it stay that plane has been quite nice. Yes. Well, and I'll tell you what, I mean, you guys, I don't know if you expected the hot start that you guys are at. I think most fans would have assumed that you guys would still be really good in spite of losing some of those players. Well, the Colts have not started out the year well, uh, even after adding the pieces that they have. Uh, before we even like get into like just individual performances and things of that nature, what's your initial take on like the Indianapolis Colts from your perspective right now? Well, you guys have hurt me the first couple of weeks because I've uh, Kansas is legally has legalized sports betting recently, and so I've been doing a little bit of that. And I put a little bit of faith in you the first two weeks against a couple of division. I could have told I like, you. I could have told hey, you you shouldn't bet on the Colts. I didn't, I didn't even go crazy. I took money line bets here. I didn't cover spreads. You guys were just part of parlays where I was building parlays with money lines. Like these are supposed to be freebie. Hey, this is a almost guaranteed dub. No, no, no. Especially last week, I at that point I was like, well. My noon slate's over. We can just move on to the afternoon. 
it's weird though. It's weird. I, Matt Ryan has been successful in Atlanta pretty much consistently throughout his career. Now, successful is very measured by what you want to determine success. He puts up numbers. Fine. They've not won a bunch. They've not been super successful at that one run where they went to the Super Bowl. We all know what happened there. Um, but other than that, he's he's just been kind of league average, which is fine. You guys have a really, really good defense, and that's the part that's been most surprising is the defense this year has not been where it was last year or even in the years prior. I think it's – I mean, I've been hearing from people that, you know, the – Colts are losing control of the locker room right now. And it, it would totally make sense after, you know, the start that they're having again. Cause you know, they were saying that, you know, in the off season, their season ended the way they did last year. And you're like, that can't happen again. It cannot. And sure enough, the Colts look exactly like how they left last season, inconsistent inability to play. And just sometimes looking like they don't even want to play. Uh, I mean, looks completely different than what the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are running through right now. I mean, talk to me about your offense a little bit because, you know, obviously losing Tyree Kill, that's a huge loss. But then again, I mean, you guys still have Travis Kelsey. Still got Patrick Mahomes who's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And it, it feels like the offense just really hasn't lost a step because they got all these new weapons that Patrick Mahomes is still finding ways to get the ball to. And I don't know much about your run game. I, I felt like in the first week, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire did a really good job of getting involved. I didn't hear much about him in the Chiefs in the Chiefs Chargers game. But talk to me about the offense so far, because I mean, it seems the same, but it might be different. I haven't seen it. So uh, our offense, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the same. Uh, it looked a very specific way the last few years with Tyreek and Travis, and. That's fine because when you have two guys that are going to be in Canton and then a third one who's throwing them the ball, um, you know, it's going to look a certain way. You, you've got to feed that talent when you have that talent. Uh, but it did make them as dynamic as they were. They were somewhat predictable. Um, and they're far less predictable now than they were then. And that's a problem when you're dealing with Andy Reid because he's got enough tricks in his bag as it is they're running stuff that they ran last year, but they're running it out of formations that they didn't run out of last year. And they're running it with guys. They didn't run it with. Um, it, it looks a lot different, but it operates a lot the same. And that's, I think somewhat the beauty of it. Also some of the stuff that they typically do, they haven't done in, uh, from a schematic perspective. Um, they're not, they're not normally a team that, that uh, doesn't use motion a ton and is uh, and it also doesn't use a ton of play action. They've pretty much been average in those categories this year. They've also been, they're not running the ball well on the interior, which is surprising because that's the strength of their offensive line, to be honest with you. Um, but to the outside, they're running really well. Um, it, it's a lot of directionally based things. And I think a lot of that is determined based on, they run a lot of RPO stuff. Um, which is fine and all. It can really victimize a defense when you have to make a decision. The problem is it limits some of what your your offensive lineman can do from a blocking perspective because if Patrick pulls it, they can't be two yards, three yards, four yards downfield murdering linebackers in the, in the, at the second level. So 
it's been a different it'll be different but it's going to they're they're going to put up points it's it is what it is it is what they do um, yeah and, and he's not going to get worse with the if you're in the he's going to be worse because Tyreek Hill's not there crowd I hate to break it to you but I don't think that's quite how that's going to go yeah, how do you how do you think Patrick Mahomes has looked as in comparison to the last few years? I think they said what he started la- two seasons ago, or started last season with like ten touchdowns, no interceptions through the first two games, and he has seven touchdowns through the first two weeks and no interceptions again. And I mean, it, it doesn't it's look like he's really lost a step. And it's third. And it's his third year in a row of two first two games, seven or more touchdowns, no picks. Now he threw one that probably should have gotten picked by Asante Samuel, but he dropped it. Part of that, um, Patrick throws the ball kind of hard, and he's throwing it to a cornerback. And, guys, if corners were really good at catching, do you know what position they would play? They play receiver. Wide receiver. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but he, he, him and Travis were rarely on, not on the same page for that ball, and he, he threw it to the wrong place, and it almost got picked. He's had a couple, um, but – Everybody likes to do his almost interceptions. If you go back and actually look at most of those, he's taking free plays on things he knows or assumes should blatantly be penalties. Um, So he's been every bit of normal as he's been since he started playing for us in week 18 against the Broncos in 17 or 18. So um, it's, it's been, it's been pretty functional. I'm curious. You talked about your, your Colts, locker room and that structure is I wonder if some of that frustration is the young quarterback aspect you look around the league and you've got superstar young quarterback after super superstar young quarterback after superstar young quarterback being drafted to these teams with really good rosters and this isn't a knock against Matt Ryan but you've had Philip Rivers Carson Wentz and now Matt Ryan and they're all kind of the same mold at this point not necessarily saying Carson's on the same plane as what those two were at the peak of their career. But at the point in time where you guys got them, they're kind of similar guys. Like they do a lot of the same things. So I'm just curious to know, is that where you think a lot of the locker room frustration may stem from is maybe not belief in them actually trying to do something or grow at that, at the key, most key position on the team. I think the biggest issue with the Colts right now in regards to this is I just don't know if the Colts players are buying into the system that the Colts coaches are throwing at them right now. Uh, I mean, you know, we saw, we've, we talked about this on a live stream earlier, you know, when you talk about some of the great coaches in the NFL right now, you know, Frank Reich is widely regarded as a top 10 head coach in this league by a lot of people. And, but, you know, like at the same time, we're now getting to a point where we're like, why? Why is he regarded that way? I think it's mainly just due to the fact that every time he gets a new quarterback since Andrew Luck is retired, he's taken that quarterback that he has had and given him almost a career year in a way. Like, you know, Philip Rivers, when he came in in 2020, had a career year is one of the better, most efficient years he's had. Uh, Carson Wentz, most efficient year he's ever had as a, as a, a player. Uh, This year, you would hope that he would be able to do the same thing with Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan is a veteran in this league. He understands how it works. He's smart, you know, but just so far, he hasn't been able to be smart because the offensive line has been absolutely terrible. Uh, And and another thing is, is I just don't know if they buy into the system right now. And the one thing I was going to pitch back off of is, you know, Gus Bradley. 
and I know you know who Gus Bradley is. Uh, I'm sure Chiefs fans probably salivate at the idea of going up against a Gus Bradley defensive scheme again because I think it was like seven touchdowns last year against Gus Bradley defenses last year, or it was like nine or something. We scored 84 points against his defense. Yeah, so, I mean, they were like, they were going insane, right? And then, uh, you know, for Colts fans, it's not looked good. I mean, Indy's defense has looked terrible. They can't pressure the quarterback, which if you can't pressure Patrick Mahomes, you're going to lose. Uh, And then... Our number two corner from last year, actually our number one outside corner from last year, hasn't played a single defensive snap all season so far. He's not been hurt. Gus Bradley just hasn't been playing him, uh, which is stupid in and of itself. And That's after uh, trading Yassin to... Yeah, they traded Yassin to the Raiders. Uh, they got Yannick Ngakwe for that. And then Isaiah Rogers was presumably the number one until... Uh, Stephon Gilmore came into town, which is fine. Stephon Gilmore still has it, but I mean, you still need the other outside corner. And he brought Brandon Faison over with him in free agency. And Faison has been playing the majority of the snaps. And Isaiah Rogers has not played one, even though Isaiah Rogers is the fastest player on our team. Uh, so there's that. And, you know, Gus Bradley came into a meeting, uh, I think it was either yesterday or today, boasting, boosting himself, saying that, you know, he felt that his defenses last year actually did a relatively decent job of limiting Mahomes, which everyone <laughs> was like, okay, this guy's not lasting. Uh, this guy's not lasting in Indianapolis if he does not make a change. I mean, how do you feel? I mean, you must feel great knowing that, Patrick Mahomes has feasted off this guy's schemes. And for as bad as the Colts defense has looked, how do you feel about it? Um, like I said, I, I said at the beginning, I'm surprised at how bad they've kind of been on defense, especially considering that's definitely been the strongest suit of the team. I will say in regard to your point about the, on the offense and about how the offensive line has been bad. That's the part that's hurt. I think you guys the most, that's the anchor of your football team for the most part on the offensive on the offense is, is built around that offensive line, which is a staple of your GM. Um, your GM is, by the way, I I'm a huge fan of your guys' GM. He's a really good GM. Well, I, I we, like were, a lot. we were, we were, I know people are getting a little sour. I get it. It's yes. the same thing with Frank Reich and his message. It's really hard to be in the same place for the long time in this league. That's why you don't see coaches stay in the same place very often. Even Andy Reid's message got stale in, in Philly after a while. It took a long long time, but eventually there needed to be a break there. So I I get the frustrations. Frank Reich is a very good football coach. That is what he's done with the quarterbacks, as you've mentioned. That's not easy to do. Andy used to do the same thing, and people used to go, yeah, but when he gets to the games that matter, he can't win it. Well, when he gets his quarterback, it's a lot easier to win games that matter when you have a guy. It's when Ballard actually does that. And then, you know, like, I mean, it's a matter of when the Colts actually decide to go and get the franchise quarterback. And, you know, this might be the draft next year to do it because there's probably going to be five quarterbacks in the first round that are going to get taken. So you can have a lot of freedom to do things. And, And then on top of it for the Colts, I mean, I don't know about Shaquille Leonard playing in this game. Uh, He was a full participant all of last week. He still didn't play in Jacksonville. Uh, He's coming off that back surgery. And he said, 
even to after today, he said that I'm not going to give a, uh, I'm not going to give an answer until after practice tomorrow. Uh, which for Colts fans, we, that we just assume, Oh, okay. He's not playing then because you know, we were like, well, he practiced all week last week. Why was he not even on a pitch count? And you know, we're thinking, Oh, well, he may not even play in this game either. I mean, even if he does, you know, he's going to be rusty because he hasn't played in a game yet. And you're going up against probably the best quarterback in the NFL and the greatest offensive mind in the, in the NFL right now. So I'm very concerned. We can't, we can't stop. Uh, we can't pressure the quarterback. Uh, our linebackers aren't great in coverage. Uh, we're not playing one of our best corners at all. Uh, the zone coverage that we've, that we're playing right now has been notorious for getting absolutely destroyed by Patrick Mahomes. It well, very, it very much concerns me that you guys could put up 450 yards on us. So you talked about the quote, which is what was your original question? I'm sorry for derailing that a little bit, going back to your offense, but the, the Gus Bradley quote today, where he's talking about how he feels like he corralled Mahomes' offense. Now, the last time he corralled Mahomes' offense was when he was with the Chargers, I think. Before, when that was right before the Brandon Staley gig, I believe, with Lance Lynn, when he was still yeah. out there. And that was the last time that he corralled, and I think we still scored 30-something points that game. But for for reference, last year with the Raiders, and, and I'm reading these um, off of Warren Sharp tweeted these out, after above the above the quote from Gus, he uh, in the in the first game last year, Kansas City punted once. They scored forty one points with zero defensive touchdowns against Gus Bradley's defense in in, in Las Vegas. Now that game was like forty one thirty four or something like that. No, sorry, forty one fourteen. Two years ago was the one that was close. It was two years ago that was close with them, but he was in L A. Um, and then game two last year, it was. 48 to seven and a defensive touchdown. So they scored 82 points on offense against Gus Bradley's defense last year as uh, on total as a, as an offense. Now Demarcus Robinson, for whatever reason, liked to have field days against the Raiders and did. So also one of those games, they gave up hundred and something yards to Daryl Williams, which is the running back through the air. That was the game that Jonathan Abrams got mossed in the end zone by Clyde or by Daryl Williams. Some of that is just him not having the horses in the barn when you're coaching that Raiders defense against that Chiefs offense in the way that the Raiders had been built up until that point. The Colts are built considerably better than that, with but with some injury issues, and we're not 100% sure where guys are. And apparently it sounds like some <clears throat> personnel decisions being made um, from either a, you want to call it favoritism, you want to call it preference. Oh, it's favoritism 100%. You want to call it preference, you want to call it whatever you want to call it. I'm not here to tell the coach who's doing better in practice. It just doesn't seem sound like it's translating to the field. Um, but from that perspective, yeah, us having a less predictable who's going to get the ball is not exactly what you want for Gus Bradley's defense because if he blitzes, which he's like the only guy in the league that continues to do that except for week one, with Arizona when they decided it was a good decision. I'm still not sure why they decided it was a good idea. They found out why it's a bad idea. Do not blitz him. I don't care if you drop eight guys into coverage and and they run the ball for six yards at a time. You have a better chance of winning that football game than blitzing him 60% of the time. Yeah. You will get murdered. 
Yeah, and it's weird because I don't. I think that the Colts have only blitzed on like eight percent of defensive plays so far through the season. So, I mean, again, they don't blitz, and which is incredible That's because you know the Colts' defensive line has had such tremendous troubles already this week uh, of these first two weeks getting to the quarterback, and especially against quarterbacks like Mills and against Lawrence. I mean, I just can't imagine like why they wouldn't but what's up, I, what's up with the d-line because you have you have the guys you have deforest buckner you have who, who's the who, grover stewart that's next to him inside yeah. grover You've stewart got- is much more of a run stopping defensive tackle he his bread and butter is when you're trying to run a zone scheme and you're not blocking him straight up front and you're kind of just shielding him his point of attack and his jump off the ball is so insane and he's so strong that he just moves a guy into the lane. So like anytime you're running a zone, like if you're going to run a uh, run play, you want to run away from Grover Stewart or you want to just go straight up double team right there in the middle and gaps. You do not want to run a zone because if you do, he's going to back the guy straight into the running back and the running back's going to have nowhere to go and a linebacker is just going to come up behind him and then you're going to lose three yards. That was the one thing the Colts are actually consistently good at is stopping the run. They've only given up 70 yards per game uh, rushing-wise. So overall, that's fine, but obviously Kansas City's not known for that. But, I mean, you're right in the sense that, you know, Mahomes is just too smart and too good to be getting blitzed every play. He's just going to get rid of the ball in under two seconds because Andy Reid will figure out a way to just run some seams across the middle and the guys are going to be too fast and then he's just going to complete it for 10 yards every play. Well, and the other thing that you're going to get is if you're going to blitz him like that, you're going to get big packages where they bring in this year, you're going to get big packages. So this is something new for you, for Colts fans to pay attention to with Chiefs offense. They've run a lot more two and three tight end sets this season with Gray and Fortson on the seat on the field with Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And it provides them a very different look to run some of those sim- familiar patterns you've seen in an Andy Reid offense. But now you've got three guys that are six, five and up running these patterns that are much bigger targets. And Jody Fortson is like a converted wide receiver. Who's basically just a hybrid tight end. Who's like six, seven. Yeah. They, we, they've got some different weapons in different positions than they've had them previously. So that's what I was talking about earlier with the, with the modifications to the formations and scheme that they're using. It also allows them to run the ball a little more efficiently out of those big packages because you now have three tight ends in instead of four wide receivers blocking for a running back. Um, the thing I think you're, that'll be interesting, the Chiefs like to run inside zone. And that's what you're talking about, Stewart being dominant at, at blowing up. It'll be interesting to see if they go away from inside zone and do what I was talking about earlier and run outside zone, outside the tackles, yeah, where the, they've had huge success this the year. The interior of the Colts' defensive line is definitely what's the most powerful. But, I mean, even when the Colts have their backups in, they struggle. I mean, in the preseason, the Colts' backups, they couldn't stop the run at all. I mean, they were okay. terrible. And so, like, you have to have Stewart and Buckner out there because if you don't, the, the Chiefs can run all over them. I mean, and that's scary to think about because, I mean, you could see a lot of uh, second down runs in those games, especially late in the game, because I think the Chiefs are going to know that that interior of that defense is just not good right now, especially if Shaquille Leonard's not playing fully in that. I don't even know, like, 
what's wrong with the defensive line. I mean, Quiddy Pay had two sacks against te- the uh, Texans, but those came in overtime when, you know, the game was, you know, at the very end. And, I mean, EJ Speed had a uh, sack, but that was in the fourth quarter. And then the Colts only pressured Lawrence, I think, like three times in that game and never got to him once. I mean, he was he was just dropping, dicing. Everything was within 10 yards. It was all just easy dump routes. And I feel like that's exactly what the Chiefs are going to do. They're just going to throw dump routes right in the middle of the field to Travis Kelsey all game long. And Kelsey might have like 150 yards by the end of the game because, I mean, we haven't been able to stop it at all. Nothing. If they've, if they've seen it on tape that there's a hole there where you're having trouble with the short and intermediate passing game, that's an extension of the run game for Andy. You're going to get screened and quick slanted to death if you can't stop that. And he will run yeah. them with tight ends. He will run them out of the slot. He will run them out of the backfield. I. I will be curious to see what they what the Colts decide to do from an alternate altering what's happened to them perspective going into this game. Um, yeah, they have I'm some strengths too. that make that could make some headaches for the Chiefs for some things the Chiefs like to do. We'll see if Andy stubborn and goes straight back to his roots. That inside zone versus your front front four is going to be interesting. Very um, interesting. Your pass rushers on the edge though is what I'm more curious about because I'll be 100 percent honest with you. The interior of our offensive line scares me none. And I mean zero. Uh, we have Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Joe Tooney up the middle. Yeah. And I, I'm i sorry for anybody that doesn't have that up the middle. You guys know what it's like to have a really, really, really nice offensive line, and you've had it for a long time. That security blanket of that kind of stability and anchor in the middle and two of them being second-year players is quite nice to have. I wish we had that right now. Uh, I mean, Quentin Nelson's the only one that's actually good on the interior anymore. I love Q. Uh, um, I'm a Notre Dame guy, so Q, yeah. <laughs> is, Q is the guy for me. I love Q. What's going on, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick moment to talk with you about Odds Trader. Odds Trader is a place to compare odds from all major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sport books to get the best deal possible. Odds Trader allows you to make bets on almost every major sport. Some of the cool features that I enjoy about Odds Trader is the handicapping options they provide. You get live play-by-play updates. You get live scores and bet tracking on everything that you're doing on the app. Player statistics, key game statistics. You even get projected game day weather reports as well. And the, another great thing about Odds Trader is you get Bet Tracker, which allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activities while you're on the site. I mean, how cool is that? If this is something that sounds like it intrigues you, make sure to go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. But um, yeah, I mean, Yannick's done nothing since coming to Indy. Uh, he's had like two pressures, hasn't touched the quarterback once yet. Uh, like I said, Quiddy Pay, you know, came in clutch late in the game against the Texans, but that's it. I mean, is the only only one that's doing anything. Tell me, tell me what Quiddy's been like from a perspective of speed rush versus bull rush, power rush attempt. Like, has he been predominantly speed, or has he been trying power, or where has he been? I think it's been more of he's trying power, mixing it with trying to learn uh, some of the moves that made Robert Mathis really uh, popular, which was you know that 
hit off the outside edge and then shrug and then go to the inside but back again. Rip. He's he got a couple of those, but he is not a speed rusher by any stretch. Yannick is, but Quiddy is absolutely not. He is so more if, of the guy that is wanting to bulldoze you. If I'm Gus Bradley, that means Yannick stays on Orlando Brown Jr. side of the field all game. And that means Quiddy stays over in front of Andrew Wiley. I okay. If you put a power rusher against Orlando Brown Jr., you might as well just go sit him on the sideline because yeah, you're not right. Yeah, Orlando Brown Jr. is not going to get dominated. He's a mountain, and it just it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, he can have bad footwork and be off of his anchor point, and somebody's going to go to and he's got as long as he has a hand on you, it's over. You can't. And I'm not talking about like anybody's. He whitewashed, erased erases elite pass rushers if he puts his hands on them yeah if they can beat him with speed he has a little bit we're still working on being on the left side and the footwork coming out of the snap and some of those things so he's still a little susceptible there but if you try to bull rush him you it's like pushing against a brick wall and expecting it to go somewhere it's just not going to move and andrew wiley has been more susceptible to some power moves and is not a guy that you're going to view in a top 15, 20 tackle in the league range. So if you're going to give the rookie a matchup, he has a chance to have some success in. It's got to be that one. It cannot be Orlando Brown Jr. Or it's going to be a long night for Quay Pay. All right. Well, and let's kind of go your to your interior uh... line is struggling with depth. They may run tempo because Andy's this offense is built. They do. Their training camp is insane. Even with the new NFLPA regulations and all that stuff, he still runs like guys talk about it all the time. He runs the hardest camp they've ever been a part of. And I'm talking Juju said that this year and Eric reads and Eric or Justin Reed said that this year. And those two guys, one from Houston, one from Pittsburgh, different styles like Tyron Matthews talked about it. They do what's called long drive where they go like 15, 16, 17 plays and don't let anybody off the field in either direction in training camp for sections. And these guys are ready to play in third and fourth quarters. You watched it in the Chargers game. Gerald Everett was absolutely toast at the end. And that 99-yard pick six was because he was completely gassed and Jalen and, and Jalen Watson wasn't. So just something to keep an eye on. If they start running tempo, that means they are aware that they're going to try and push your guys' conditioning and see where everybody's at. Especially if you've got like Shaquille Leonard coming back off an injury. If he's out on the field, they may go tempo to see if he's got the conditioning and the stamina to play eight plays in a row, if they can get him going that way. Yeah, totally agree with you. Let's shift over a little bit. Uh, your defense uh, versus the Colts offense. Obviously, like I told you, Colts struggling right now to really get anything going in the passing uh, department, both with receivers being out and offensive line not protecting. You know, uh, last week, I mean, they showed that without Pittman, that also hurt their ability to run the football as well. You know, Jonathan Taylor did a fantastic job against the Texans, had 160 yards there, but then only had 51 this last week because the Colts just couldn't maintain the ball and they only ran it with him nine times. So, you know, it's kind of a travesty in and of itself. But, uh, I mean, how, how does your defense stack up versus this Colts offense right now? I mean, Chris Jones, he's out there just do, dealing work right now. He's he he makes watching defensive line play quite fun when he's on your team. He's 
he's that he's one of those kind of guys. Um, so my concern is Jonathan Taylor. Um, just as a knee-jerk reaction, because our defenses have always struggled stopping the run for whatever reason. It's never been a strong suit. Um, and we got weaker this week with the random announcement of Willie Gay's suspension, which I'm still trying to figure out why it didn't start week one when things were resolved and known and settled. And he's even already done the the, the specifications of the stuff he agreed to in the court system stuff. And like it's been done since June. And we didn't get the suspension till week two, which doesn't make a, after the game on week two, which doesn't make a ton of sense. But that hurts us because he's <laughs> there's no one else on our defense that's like that guy at the linebacker position. He is extremely fast, sideline to sideline. He's extremely smart, and he's getting he's becoming that next level player um, at that linebacker position. He's going to be really good. So that's that hurts. It'll be curious to see what Darius Harris does in his in his stead because that's likely going to be the guy who gets gets his snaps. Um, so Nick Bolton, Darius Harris, you'll probably see some Leo Chanel. Now Chanel's a rookie. Nick Bolton is the is the second year guy out of Mizzou who's been given the green dot and is the leader of this the defense. He calls the defense. He's the whole thing. Um, that run game scares me a little. Now with your offensive line, I don't know. Are you guys still banged up at at this at the in the middle of that line or is that been kind of resolved now uh well i wouldn't say that they're necessarily banged up but um you know matt Pryor at the left tackle position it's been a failed uh experiment already uh we're thinking about starting the rookie left tackle bernard ryman at this point because he actually is great he's yeah he's actually fast enough to keep up with the edge rushers and matt Pryor just isn't and then Is, is Pryor worse than fisher last year at left tackle? Yes, because at least the one thing Eric Fisher was really good at was run blocking. He was really good at run blocking. So at least in half perspective, Fisher at least did something well. But Pryor doesn't do anything well right now. He's getting bullied by everyone. Uh, Ryan Kelly hasn't looked the same for the last two years. Uh, Danny Pinter has been a failure uh, since he started. You know, which is really bad because, you know, last year he stepped in for Ryan Kelly when Ryan Kelly was on absence because of the unfortunate death of his infant daughter. And uh, Danny Pinter stepped in for those three, four weeks and did a fantastic job of taking over. And we thought, oh, okay, well, you know, he looks good in this role. I mean, we, we thought, okay, if he's looking good here, we figure at least he can maybe move to the guard spot and we think he'd be okay. He'd hold his own. Hasn't been good. Uh, he's been getting bullied the whole time. And Braden Smith, who we're paying $18 million for at right tackle per year, uh, he has looked terrible. Uh, I did not know that. Gave up, gave up two sacks to Jerry Hughes week one uh, against the Texans and didn't look good at all against Jacksonville. So, you know, I mean, it, it, the whole offensive line outside of Quentin Nelson has just been trash. Uh, we haven't had any stability at all. And, you know, Ballard is giving this group one of the highest totals of any team in the NFL, and they can't protect worth a damn right now. So uh, very concerning. And, you know, I don't know how the running game is going to be. I mean, it, it's going to have to be a uh, a dogfight for uh, the Colts. I mean, that's the only way we're able to beat the Chiefs. The last time that we played them was, you know, trying to be that, tough nose team but even then back in 2019 
that was still a way better offensive line than what it is right now. This Colts offensive line is near the bottom, uh, which is sad because, you know, you put that much time and effort into it. And the Colts fans just have no confidence in the offense at all at this point. So, so you're, the 19 game was the game with Pat's ankle, wasn't it? Yeah, Pat's angle yeah. had a couple 19, of guys out or whatever it was. You know, it was both teams yeah. had a it bunch a, it of was really a big fight. players out that in that was. game. Yeah, that yeah. Um, so with with that with what you just said about the offensive line, um, oh, this year has been a little different. We weren't sure what to expect necessarily out of this defensive line group when this season started because there's not a lot of experience on it outside of the guys like the names jump off the page at you at like Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap. Oh crap. Those guys are all veterans. We know those dudes. Okay, cool. Well, Chris Jones accounts for a good chunk of the snaps, but the other two are basically splitting time. So they're basically like Dunlap and Clark have been about 50% on the snaps a piece, or maybe even a little less. So they're, they're basically situationally being used right now. Um, as a matter of fact, the whole defensive line is being run more like a hockey team than a football team. They've been doing line changes, essentially. So they've got like eight guys that they're comfortable with. Now they're probably down to seven with Mike Dana's injury. Um, he's – I don't even – I didn't even know he got hurt during the game with the Chargers game. Showed up on the injury report after. Seems to be a little worse than it was because they went and added another defensive end to – I think it was the practice squad. Or maybe it was the active. I don't remember. Um so I'm a little interested to see how that goes, but they've been rotating seven or eight guys pretty consistently. Um, and that's been a big difference than what they've had in the past, where it's basically been four, four guys to try to do everything. They've got a lot more depth. This team's a lot deeper. It doesn't have the star power it did, but the, the, the core and the hole is a lot deeper than it used to be. The defensive line is average. And if they play to their ceilings, they're way above average. So it's Chris Jones is going to get his, it sounds like, because what they'll do with him at this point, if at least this is what I would do if I was Spags. Do you know who is never, ever, 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 ever lining up in front of Quentin Nelson? Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Yeah. Never. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's going to have to be, yeah. I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to <laughs> double. Chris Quentin Jones Nelson, all if they nice wanted to some you way to shake move hands, hang out. Yeah. 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 Ryan Kelly and uh, Danny Pinter and Braden Smith are all going to have to be cohesive and are going to have to find a way to slow him down. I will also give you, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know who they're going to pull for the practice squad activations or anything like that. There is a name on at the defensive tackle position that is currently sitting on our practice squad that I would be very non-surprised to see them pull up to the active roster. Danny Shelton is a very, if you're not familiar, he's a humongous nose tackle. And I mean, when I say humongous, he makes Chris Jones look small. Like he's a huge human. He's also, you remember like Nada, like just the big space eaters from back in the day that used to just sit in the middle and take up like two and three blocks at a time. Yeah, he eats triple teams. Like, he's a huge man. Yeah. Um, so, if they – I would not be surprised to see him called up to from the practice squad as an activation for this game to help try to take away Jonathan Taylor and some of that space to free up some of those linebackers behind us, behind him to fly around and make plays with, with Jonathan Taylor in mind. Just be keep an eye on that. If you see Danny Shelton as a game day activation and he's active, don't be surprised to see him get snaps. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. 
Uh, last thing before we get into a score prediction, uh, your special teams unit. Is there anything that stands out with your special teams guys? It's Dave Tobe. He's there's a reason he's been argued argued and basically the standard for special teams in the league for a good majority of his career at this point. Like he's really good at it. Now, part of the reason he's really good at it is he gets some roster control that some other special teams coaches just don't necessarily get. Um, Andy lets him have, you know, a good amount of say in those bottom four, five, six guys on the roster there that, hey, I need certain things for special teams that also fit the regular roster. So they've got plenty of depth. They've got Sky Moore running running, um, punts back and Pacheco running kicks back. And those are the two rookies on the offense we didn't really talk much about. Sky's probably going to get some snaps this week. I'd be on the lookout, see what he looks like um, from our wide receiver position. He's the rookie. And Pacheco is the little running back out of Rutgers they got in the seventh round. He's been – he's explosive. If you don't if you don't maintain lane discipline on your kick kickoffs and you give him a lane, you may not catch him. He is that fast, that explosive, and has pretty darn good vision. I I would not I would not give him the opportunity to torch you, is what I'm telling you there. Um, but they're just they're solid. They don't make a ton of mistakes on special teams. Butker may not kick in this game. Again, he's got a bad ankle from that awesome turf in Arizona that decided to sink in multiple places. That's also why we're missing Trent McDuffie in the secondary, which scares me a little. He's a he's a rookie. But they don't throw the ball at him for a reason. That kid's been and phenomenal for us. It was fantastic until he got hurt in Arizona. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I I don't think the Colts have no chance in this game by any means. There's there's definitely universes where they can make this a fight. Um, I don't I don't see this as some sort of if this was a, this would be more of a trap game for the Chiefs. If this was not off of a Thursday ten day break leading into this week. Um, this is basically Andy Reid off a bye, which you don't want. This is the only thing that concerns me a lot for Colts fans. Um, I will tell you, I took the Chiefs to cover in this at, uh, with, at the six and a half, strictly oh, yeah. based on the part where your offensive line or your offense has just not been anywhere. I'm surprised it's only six and a half. I mean, well, it started at two and a half. If you would have got it at the futures before week two completed, the, the pregame lines were out at two and a half. And as soon as game two, week two was over, it jumped almost immediately to six. Oh, and I'm half. sure. I'm I've sure. seen it up at seven and a half in some places already. So, um, so what's but, your, uh, uh, I, I, your final score be, prediction for that? The defense scares me though. I'm not telling, like I said, this is a really young defense for us. And it, it concerns me that, they are going to have some growing pains and this is a game they could have some growing pains because Matt Ryan while hasn't been great. If he's given any kind of time and they struggle to get a pass rush, that's a young secondary and a smart old veteran quarterback. That's not a recipe for success that can hurt you. Now I have no idea what it looks like if Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce don't play, because if those two guys are out, is Paris Campbell, your number one wide receiver? Uh, no, uh, Paris Campbell has been targeted four times in the first two weeks. Okay, but who who else besides Alec Pierce and Pittman at that point? Like, what? Who's number one if those two guys are out? Probably Ashton Doolin and Naheem Hines. <laughs> yeah, like, and that hurts, man. And 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 I say this with 
complete concern because I happen to have both of those dudes on a couple of different, and I know nobody wants to hear about people's fantasy teams, but I do have both Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman on a couple of different rosters that I would like <laughs> to have them participating in football games for. Right. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I think the Chiefs probably, a lot of this depends on Gus Bradley, but if if he walks into that field and does what he just said in that press conference, I'm concerned you guys may not like the results. Um, I'm If he does that, 40 is not out of the realm. If he comes in and does what he should do, and you guys run the ball and and take control and take care of the football, no turnovers, no, no extra stuff. This game is, you know, 27-21, I'm still taking Kansas City to get it done, but they don't blow it out. It's not a embarrassing oh my god we got house you know what i mean it's nothing it doesn't look like what buffalo just did to the rams and then whoever it was they just slaughtered <laughs> the tennessee titans the, the titans. dumpster fire team in the afc south that i'll how, go you want to talk about you want to talk about how the mighty have fallen they yeah. went from afc west first seed to oh boy if you lose to the raiders that's a deep trouble game oh yeah very very Oh, yeah, I forgot. You guys don't like each other much, do you? Yeah, we don't. We don't. Colts Titans fans. I'm going 35 17, uh, Kansas City. I think it's that bad. Uh, and I think we'll definitely have more points than what we did the last week. But, uh, you know, Gus Bradley's teams never do well against Patrick Mahomes. And I just don't think it's going to happen here. Even if Shaquille Leonard's playing in this game, still don't think there's any way, shape, or form that they slow him down. So. I, I can't I can't find enough to disagree with you. I would I would probably say you're you're close. Thirty five seventeen is probably the 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 if you sim this game a thousand times, eight hundred of them are probably in that window, and then you know those two hundred are either that rock fight or that forty burger for for the other team. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this one, Colts Nation. Uh, thank you, Kyle, for joining me and talking Chiefs football. You gave me a uh, a lot to think about for Sunday. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, and we'll have you on a shirt at some point here, either probably uh, when we see you guys, maybe in the maybe later this year, or maybe or maybe next year, maybe next year. Well, I, it probably sounds like it's going to be next year, but we'll see. But Your division's uh, got a long way to go. Long way to go. I know. I hear that. It's all week the time. two. It's week two. It's early. It's I September. Know, I know. I know. It's a little un. I know. I, hey, man. I, Chiefs fans get it. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, you guys have done nothing but win. Yeah, no. Some of us have been around longer than the last four or five years. <laughs> Actually, a good majority of us have. We did, you know, fifty years of purgatory and losing and yeah. sucking and not having a quarterback and not drafting one for 30 years like right. we get it yeah we get it so Owen two is ugly but it's also and also doesn't help that they were in both division games yes the bright part is your division's not great and you can win some of those games back and you're not true because so, you get to see both of those teams again right now you're just net even if you win those games yeah i don't know if i'm gonna even want frank reich back even if we do end up winning this division because it's that doesn't really say much beating the, winning the afc south is not really an accomplishment right now but hey man playoffs are playoffs baby i know but still though, don't matter how if you they get were there, in any other the division they'd be at the very bottom and ask Eli Manning and the Giants and that undefeated Patriots team. Well, if they make it deep into the playoffs, then I'll say otherwise, but I don't think okay. they're going to. But either That's way, fair. 
That's going to do it for this one, guys. Let me know what you think. And as always, go Colts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.